Hi, welcome back to the official podcast of the WCD. That's the World Congress of Dermatology, which will be held next in Singapore in 2023. I'm Dr. Etienne Wang from the National Skin Center of Singapore, and I will be your host for this podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. In this podcast, I speak with dermatologists and skin researchers from all over the world to talk about all things dermatology. Before we start, I would like to announce that the registration and abstract submissions are open for the WCD, and you can use the links in the description to submit your abstracts. And and this week is also the American Academy of Dermatology meeting. And I think Ellie, our resident co-host, is joining us from Boston. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning. Yeah, I'm in USA right now and it's so exciting. Everything is so beautiful here. The weather is great. It's nice and cool. And I just can't wait for AAD to get started. Yes, and congratulations on this first overseas trip in a very long time due to the pandemic. <laughs> How does it feel? It's great. I mean, I haven't taken an like, airplane for so long and it just feels good to be able to travel again. COVID restrictions here are definitely much looser than in Singapore, so it's also nice to be able to walk without a mask outdoors. <laughs> yeah. And also congratulations, you're there on, on a AAD scholarship for Singaporeans, I understand? Yes, correct. So I was given the scholarship two years ago um, when we applied. Unfortunately, at the time, we had to cancel our trip because that was when the COVID pandemic first started. So I'm finally glad that, you know, I'm now able to utilize the scholarship. Um, it's great. So they sponsored oh, that's me. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. And it's nice of them to allow me to carry it forward because it um, encompasses free registration and a $1,000 travel stipend. So that really helps to offload some of the cost of traveling here. Okay. And is there, are there any talks or plenaries that you're looking forward to at the AAD? Mm, I think, you know, I looked at the program and there's so many concurrent sessions and they are all really exciting. But the ones I usually like to go for are those that are like, you know, clinical pearls or pitfalls in certain conditions or updates in certain therapeutics because I find those to be the most useful for me, especially at this point where I just finished residency and going to start off as an associate consultant. I think it's very important for me to be aware of what clinical pitfalls are there and what's new to be aware of. Are you presenting anything this time? No, this round I'm not. The thing is that I didn't I didn't even think that I'll be coming to this conference. I didn't submit anything. But last minute, you know, there were some allowances and I could travel. So yeah, it's really quite a last minute decision and I'm really excited about it. Wow, that's excellent. And also the WCD has a booth at the AAD. Yeah, correct. And also a reception, right? Yes, will you be joining them? For sure, for sure I'll be joining. I mean, it's so exciting. Yes, to be and, and if anyone wants to um, check out the WCD booth, it's at uh, booth 2723. And the reception yeah. is on Saturday, right? 26 and it's open yeah. to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for checking in, Ellie. I hope you have an excellent conference and I won't disturb you any further. I think great that we can get you to check in from all the way at the AAD <laughs> as our Singapore representative. Yeah, thank you very much, Etienne. I'll see you soon. Okay, see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. And now I'd like to welcome Professor Mark Koh to the podcast. He's a senior consultant and the head of the dermatology department at the KK Women and Children's Hospital in Singapore. He has led the charge of developing pediatric dermatology in Singapore and has set up many multidisciplinary clinics for atopic dermatitis, genodermatosis, cutaneous lymphomas, and vascular anomalies in Singapore. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mark. Hey, hi, thanks, thanks, Etienne, and thanks for inviting me onto this podcast. <laughs> yes, so uh, the theme of this podcast is going to be AAD and I heard you were supposed to go AAD and unfortunately could not make it. Ah, yes, I was supposed to go to give two talks. Unfortunately, due to COVID, well, the family situation was a little bit uh, not so stable so we decided uh, that better than I not go lah. There was some yeah, I, th I think that's a running theme through this podcast, a lot of COVID disruptions. What kind of talks would you have given? So I was supposed to give a talk on the use of moisturizers from birth to try to prevent or reduce 
the incidence or the severity of atopic dermatitis in at-risk infants, which means you know, infants who have a very positive family history for atopy. Uh, the study that we did, we looked at uh, infants who had at least two family members with a history of atopy, whether it's uh, atopic dermatitis or allergic rhinitis or asthma. So we got a group of uh, infants who were at high risk and we started them on moisturizers from birth. And then we had another group uh, also of high risk and they didn't receive uh, moisturizers from birth. So that was one of the talks. The other talk that I was going to give was about multidisciplinary management of atopic dermatitis, especially patients, uh, well, children or adolescents who have severe chronic AD who also have psychosocial issues. As you had said, I, I did set up a clinic in KK taking care of these children and adolescents with chronic eczema who also have psychosocial issues and I run this multidisciplinary clinic with uh, a psychologist as well as a social worker and we realized that you know a lot of times because they these patients have severe eczema you know they scratch a lot after a while it becomes uh, you know they, they get a lot of psychosocial issues and if we don't solve these psychosocial issues the eczema just worsens and it gets even more difficult to treat uh, that was to be my second talk uh, at the AAD. Wow. Okay, well, don't leave us hanging. Tell us what happened to the children who received the moisturizers. Did you reduce the incidence of atopic dermatitis? So it was quite an interesting study. Unfortunately, because it was a pragmatic study, and when we spoke with uh, the parents of these patients, even though they were in the control group, and we told them, okay, we are, you know, we're, we're doing this study to see whether moisturizers would prevent the atopic dermatitis. And a lot of these families have other children with atopic dermatitis and they really don't want the child to have atopic dermatitis. So a lot of our patients in the control group unfortunately also use their own moisturizer. So almost 30 to 40 percent of them use their own moisturizer. So we did not find a significant difference between the two groups. So if you look uh, historically, I think about uh, half a decade ago, there were a couple of papers that came out uh, looking at smaller numbers of uh, participants, but they found that the use of moisturizers did reduce the incidence uh, of atopic dermatitis, or at least the severity in these uh, at-risk at mm. children. So, so, so it would have been almost unethical to ask these control patients not to use the moisturizers. <laughs> yeah, of course. But if you, so we, we analyzed the whole group at, in totality as well, and we compared it you know, with the incidence of atopic dermatitis in, you know, in a population where they are at risk. And we found that actually, you know, our group, our whole group had a reduced incidence compared to uh, historical numbers. So I think... Oh, that yeah. is interesting. So I think the jury is really still out there, but it's not expensive. It's not, I, I feel that it's very safe. So, you know, um, I would still recommend it for... for Yes, something that something that I do find myself counselling patients under twelve with with very mild atopic dermatitis is that they have a chance to outgrow it if they have religious moisturising. Is this something that's true, or am I making this up? <laughs> uh, I think definitely, if you have uh, if you do take care of your eczema, the majority do get much better, you know, with with age, and usually they do outgrow it by the time they're in primary school, so around about you know seven to ten or twelve years of age. But even if they don't outgrow it the condition does become mild and definitely moisturizers is required for the treatment of atopic dermatitis. So definitely mm, yes, for, yes. Yeah, for all my patients, I will ask them to continue using the moisturizers. You know. Okay, and what else do you think is at the forefront of pediatric dermatology these days? So definitely, you know, we are looking at more and more targeted 
therapies. We all know about pilumab and its use in atopic dermatitis. And we've, we've treated quite a lot of patients uh, with severe eczema, severe chronic eczema, especially those with psychosocial issues, with dupilumab and found very, very good results. And of course, you know, in the pipeline, there are more biologics that are uh, on trial now and few have already been approved by the FDA and hopefully they will come to our shores soon. For example, trilokinumab and lebrikizumab. So, you know, hopefully with more of these uh, biologics coming out, um, it gives us, you know, more armamentarium to treat our patients. Um, not only the uh, biologics, but also the JAK inhibitors. We've seen quite good results mm -hmm. with them for chronic uh, eczema as well as even psoriasis. So I think not only are we seeing the use of targeted therapies for common conditions like uh, atopic dermatitis and psoriasis, but um, it's also being used for uh, less common conditions, you know, um, such as uh, vitiligo and uh, alopecia areata or the yep, more severe areata. form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah, but I think even more interesting is the use of biologics now for rare diseases, especially the genodermatosis. Oh, yes. Yeah. For, uh, for example? So, um, we've already had quite a few case reports coming out and small case series uh, on the use of biologics for psoriasis, the IL-17 inhibitors in patients with uh, autosomal recessive congenital ichthyosis and other forms of ichthyosis like Netherton syndrome. We've seen some pretty good results. Uh, we ourselves have treated a patient with ARCI and a TGM-1 mutation with secukinumab. Uh, he's gone on it for about six months. Uh, he's, he's feeling so much better now, less itch, less scaling, and we've managed to uh, wean down the acetretin that he was on, and he's quite happy to continue on that. So, you know, we are seeing the use of these biologics for rare diseases coming through. And I think another condition which is now being, we are using biologics for is epidermolysis bullosa. And uh, just the other day, I was talking to a patient with a pruriginosa form of uh, dystrophic EB, and we were talking about uh, with his parents about giving him to pilumab because you know they found that uh, in these patients there is definitely an increase in IL-13 and IL-4 so you know um, it justifies the use of the pilumab in these patients. Uh, there are already some papers out looking at the use of biologics for EP and definitely it, it increases our armamentarium to treat these patients who are really suffering quite a lot. Mm, yes. You recently also published a review on the, on the treatment of viral warts in children. Is there anything there that you find particularly troublesome? Because I think it's quite a big issue with National Skin Centre as well. Hmm. Okay, viral warts, something that we all treat all the time and we take it for granted that it's easy to treat. In children, I guess the most important issue is you know really compliance. Like, a lot of times you can't do really treatments that are too aggressive or too painful because, you know, child just doesn't tolerate it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I find using the good old therapies such as um, salicylic acid or lactic acid together with uh, dual film and I combine it with uh, cryotherapy every couple of weeks, I find that 95% of my patients do well on that treatment, you know, the good old treatment. So, we really have to manage the, the parents and the patients because, you know, it takes time and they just mm -hmm. have to be patient with the treatment. Very seldom I have had to go on to do more aggressive treatments such as um, the carbon dioxide laser. Uh, we've also used uh, immunotherapy. So we've tried uh, with DCP on, on some of these patients. Uh, well, a few of the patients actually did pretty well just with uh, DCP. So we, we do do that at KK as well. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about immunotherapy, actually, and whether the developing immune system had any disadvantages in immunotherapy. Well, so far we've used mainly DCP for alopecia areata. We have tried it for as young as four or five. I don't think there is a difference as compared to the slightly older children in terms of response. You know, I think by that time, definitely the immune system is probably robust enough to mount the response. So I, I, yeah, so I don't think there's a difference. You're also in charge of the ASPD, that's the Asian Society of Pediatric Dermatology Satellite Sessions for the WCD. What can we look forward to at that session? I am the Secretary General of ASPD or Asian Society of Pediatric Dermatology. So we do hope to have at least one session at the WCD. Um, Definitely we'll be talking about more controversial uh, topics or hot topics about pediatric dermatology. And as I talked about, you know, um, the use of biologics or even the treatment of um, hemangiomas, which, you know, we've seen so much advances over the last few years, you know, since propranolol came about. Um, but we also want to talk about multidisciplinary treatment of vascular anomalies, uh, talk about uh, genodermatosis in uh, our Asian context. Uh, you know, there are a lot of areas in Asia which unfortunately do not have as good medical treatments as, you know, the, the bigger centres. So, Hopefully, you know, we can share our experience with our colleagues from these other areas to teach them how to treat these genodermatoses, but also vascular anomalies. Yeah, so it's going to be a wide range of topics that we will be talking about. Uh, Hopefully, the International Society of Pediatric Dermatology will also have a session there and um, they will sort of distribute the sessions between the two, ASPD as well as ISPD, but we'll definitely have a good discussion of all sorts of uh, pediatric dermatology cases and, you know, (laughs) We're hoping to see quite a lot of our pediatric dermatology colleagues coming down for the WCD and love to hear from them. Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah, so I think people should look out for the ASPD and the ISPD satellite sessions at the WCD next year. All right, Mark, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for your time. That was a very enlightening talk. Thank you. Thank you, Etienne, for inviting me again and uh, talking. (laughs) Okay, and I hope your family gets better from COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, they're all negative now, so... uh... Okay, that's always a good sign. All right. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, thanks, Etienne. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the official podcast of the WCD. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram at WCD Singapore, and check out the WCD website, wcd2023singapore.org for more updates and content on the WCD. At that website, you can find links to register for the WCD and submit your abstracts for next year's WCD. And if you're at the American Academy of Dermatology meeting, don't forget to check out our booth at booth 2723. That's a WCD Singapore booth 2723. And until next time, stay safe and use sunblock.